Faith Forge Fathers is a podcast focused on navigating fatherhood and growing what God has called us to be as fathers. My name is Matthew Green. I'm a father of two young sons, and the mission of this podcast is to provide a wide array of experiences, perspectives through interviewing guests from all stages of fatherhood. My hope is that we'll all learn together, gain encouragement and wisdom along the way. Thanks for listening. Welcome to this episode of Faith Forge Fathers. I'm super excited to have my first guest on today. Uh, he is one of my best friends, uh, Jared Cash. Jared's a husband and father of two girls with another little one on the way. He's currently a campus pastor at Timberlake Church in the Pacific Northwest. He is the host of the Lose the Taboo on Mental Health podcast, author of a 60-day devotional, Live Fully, Love Freely with Mental Illness, and he's also the founder and former lead pastor of Impact Church in Shirts, Texas. So uh, super excited to have him on today and uh, welcome, Jared. Thanks, Matt. Man, so pumped and privileged that you'd let me be your first guest. So at this point, honestly, this is a great way to start because you just have tons of room to just go up from here. So that was very wise on your part. Start yeah, start all. low and you have a lot of potential after that. No, not at all. I'm super excited that you are my first guest because for anybody that listened to episode one, uh, the the friend that was referenced in episode one about kind of doing that altar call and being that person who really kind of helped change the trajectory of the season of that I was in, this is him. So I figured <laughs> what a better person to have on. Hey, first of all, Matt, so proud of you, man, for doing this podcast. I think this is going to be such a great thing for a lot of people. So really proud of you, man. No, I appreciate that. Yeah, so kind of just jumping right in. One thing I was, you know, in preparation for the, this uh, conversation was just thinking through the differences that we have uh, in experience as dads. As I noted, I'm a father of two sons, and what's different with you is your, you know, hashtag girl dad. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure what what the third on the way is yet, but so we have a different perspective when it comes to or experience when it comes to being fathers. So I thought that it would be a kind of a cool place to start, uh, just kind of hearing. The world's an interesting place right now, and there's a lot, I think, a lot of pressure uh, when it comes to raising girls and on all that kind of stuff in this, you know, the culture and society we're in. So I'm really just kind of interested to hear kind of your approach to fatherhood, raising your your little girls, you know, in the faith and and just kind of growing up with uh, like what what's God's vision and design of their life. Yeah, and I think that's a great, great way to start it. Yeah, for me, so I have... Uh, a six-year-old daughter and a three-year-old daughter. And then like, like you said, Matt, one on the way. And so I uh, feel like at this point I've seen enough of parenthood. So our oldest is in, in kindergarten this year, Juliet. And so still early in parenthood, but have seen enough in, in six years to feel like I'm starting to get to a place where some of the things that I always thought about when it came to parenting, especially girls, I'm really starting to put some of those things in practice. And so yeah, I think you you said it said it right. You know, raising kids is so difficult in today's world, in today's culture, society. But it's really scary raising girls. Uh, I grew up with uh, just an older brother, Jordan. Uh, didn't have sisters. Didn't really like spend much time around any family that was girls. And so for me, whenever I found out that we were pregnant uh, with, with Juliet, that was you know found out that she was a girl. It I was like scared to death. Because I was like, how in the world? Like, I don't know what that's going to look like to be a girl dad. Like, it was just such a, such a scary thing. Like, am I going to be able to equip 
these girls, especially as they get older, to be able to face society and be able to to know their value and their worth. And so it's something I really prayed about and talked to people about. And, and over the years, I found out, as you would agree, Matt, is parenting is so much harder than you than you think it is. Yeah. Like before having kids, I was like, oh, you just, you know, do this and this and you can help your kids. You just be intentional and everything's going to work out great. And it is it parenting is such a difficult thing. It's a beautiful gift from God, but it's a it's a thing that's a big challenge. There's mm-hmm. always room for growth. And so for me, one of the biggest things that I've learned in this journey as far as having girls, especially in today's society and world, and thank thank goodness they don't have phones or anything uh, at this stage in their life. But first of all, just building confidence in them as individuals is has really been my primary goal right now is just building that confidence and trying to help them begin to form a positive view of themselves. Because uh, we know that, especially as as girls get older, they're going to just begin to have all these societies going to be pulling at them in all these different directions, mm-hmm. social media, who knows what that's going to look like by the yeah. time they get there. But there's all these different things that are going to be telling them what makes them special, what makes them beautiful. And and they're honestly probably not going to be the things that are true. And so yeah. for me, it's just, just first of all, confidence in them as an early age is something that I'm really trying my best. And I, at times I feel like I'm at a loss, but trying to just build that confidence and helping them experience new things, try new things, encouraging them along the way. Uh, and something, you know, that I heard someone say before is like just telling my daughters that they're beautiful on a regular basis. It's so important uh, because, you know, they're going to be hearing that from a boy later down the road. And I don't want them to be, to be this new thing for them that that they're hearing all of a sudden for the first time that they're beautiful. So I try on a regular basis to tell them all kinds of things that I love about them, but they're beautiful. Mm-hmm. But something that, that Jessica, uh, my wife, has done a really good job with is kind of adding to that. Not only beautiful because, you know, don't want them to think, of course, start to believe that's just physically they have to be beautiful to be accepted. But Something Jessica would always do that we kind of picked up on early was whenever we would talk about being beautiful, we'd always kind of say like, but what really makes you beautiful? And the answer was my heart. And so I just have these memories of you know, Juliet as like a three-year-old and we say, what really makes you beautiful though? And just hearing my heart, like in a sweet little voice. No, and so that's adorable. So yeah, so that was just building confidence first of all, but then kind of the the big step and you can at any point redirect me because I'm just kind of getting going now, getting me, getting me fired up here, Matt. But uh, is building the foundation of of faith in their mm-hmm. life. That's the biggest thing. And that's the thing that I really am trying hard, especially now, like Juliet, six years old, Adeline's starting to ask questions, but just building that foundation of faith and I kind of beginning to help them see what the Bible says about them and about why they're special why they're valuable and so i immediately think of ephesians 2 10 which i want to just read that really quick it says for we are god's workmanship created in christ jesus to do good works which god prepared in advance for us to do that word workmanship is uh is the word comes from the word poema so it's it's this greek word for poetry so it's beginning to just help our kids realize that they were created by god mm-hmm love by God. And because they're created by God, that's where their true value comes from. It doesn't come from the things that they'll accomplish later in life or the things that they're good at or think they have value because they're 
they're made by God. Uh, and so I've heard it used before, like I'm, I'm really not into art. I'm by no means an expert, but I will say like, I realize there's beauty in art. And so, you know, I've heard before that, you know, you take like Van Gogh's painting of Starry Night, which a mm-hmm. lot of people know it's this classic, beautiful piece of art. Uh, I've never seen any of his, any of his artwork paintings up close and personal, but you see copies of it at like Barnes and Nobles or yeah. Target or things like that. And you can get these copies for like $8. The difference, though, between that, the copies that look really similar in his painting is that his paintings probably like $80 million or something. But these copies are $8 mm-hmm. and the significance doesn't come from the way that they look. The significance comes from the fact that it was painted by the artist. And so for me, that's something that I've been trying to incorporate and not that I give her this sermon, but trying to help her see like, you're so special because God made you exactly how he wanted to make you. And starting to try to help her see like you were painted by the artist in this illustration. Yeah. You're his his poem, you're his poetry, you are his workmanship. And, and so just beginning to help her see that her value comes not from what she accomplishes or from what the people around her tell her, but because she's loved by God. And so building that foundation of faith has been something that's so important for me. I feel like I'm really, she's at the age now uh, that I'm really starting to be able to kind of help her see the beauty of what the the truth of scripture is. So that's kind of my first initial thought of just building confidence and then building that foundation of faith in God. No, I absolutely love that. I think one thing I think is cool is, you know, you say you're, you're kind of starting early by her hearing kind of those those affirming things from from her parents right so just as proverbs 31 right you hear the you know it says you know charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting but a woman who fears the lord is to be praised right and so you're like you were saying like you don't want these these charming kind of things that come along down the road her have never heard them before right now she's hearing them and being affirmed by who she is, who her creator, who the potter, right? And so I think that that's really important to kind of establish that foundation early on so she knows who she is. Yeah, yeah. Just trying to, the identity, the self-worth, the, that whole aspect of it, where her true value comes from, can't be overlooked. That's more important than anything. And that's what I want. If I can do anything, that's what I want to just be able to help lay that foundation for. That's awesome. Have you noticed? I so she's in kindergarten now. Yeah, so she's home. in homeschool, right? Yeah, so she's okay. in kindergarten. She's she's homeschooled. So it's it's been a big blessing. Jessica's homeschooling her, and Adeline uh, is joining them for parts of it, uh, which is sweet, and she's loving getting to be a part of it. So yeah, it's that's a really neat thing. Like Jessica's done a great job every week. They learn a Bible verse together as part of the homeschooling. And so they're learning scripture and being kind of exposed to that. And Jessica's being really intentional to pick verses that are uh, kind of doing some of the things that we're talking about. So, yeah, but, you know, I'm seeing her in different things, like with she's starting sports, uh, seeing her at like a church around other kids mm-hmm. and just realizing, you know, the older she gets, the more the influence of other people are going to be tugging at her. And so yeah. uh, we're just trying to be really intentional these early years, especially. That's one thing as we've gotten gotten Ryland more involved, there's the exposure to all the other kids. And as they start to come in uh, to interaction with in more circles outside of the church space and hearing all the different perspectives from different all the different families and all like, you know, you it's I get really nervous because um, I'm always like, I sure hope that, you know, when something counter to what he has been told is heard, 
his response is like, I trust that my parents have taught me the truth. That doesn't, that doesn't jive with what I've been taught versus I just feel like there's so much uh, worldly influence now. I struggle with a lot of insecurity, I guess. Yeah. Which I know it's, it's not necessarily a my, like, I can't control obviously like how Ryland processes everything in his life. Just seeing how malleable the minds of children is like, I'm so, I'm always so nervous. Like as I, anytime I send him off, whether it is, you know, at a church or one, like who knows what has been seen on YouTube or has been heard on TikTok, whatever it is. Right. Thankfully we, we keep rallying away from technology in that regards, but man, it is just, it's such a tough landscape to navigate as a parent. Cause like, I'm, yeah, I'm just kind of waiting for the day he comes home. He hasn't really asked me anything too controversial yet, but like the day he's like, Hey, so-and-so said, you know, this, and it doesn't mm-hmm. jive with what, you know, scripture says or what we've been teaching. I'm really curious kind of what that, what that looks like. I don't know if you guys have had any of those instances or not. Yeah. Luckily I know exactly what you mean. Those feelings, uh, create a lot of anxiety in me of just that that fear that I think it's a, a good fear. I'm glad that it's I'm at least thinking about it. But yeah, luckily, like I feel like my girls are still so innocent and I want to keep the innocence as long as I can. You know, I, we don't want to shelter them in an unhealthy way. Mm-hmm. But like kids grow up way faster than they need to. So we're trying to provide the innocence. But yeah, we live in an area, you know, so for anyone that um, I haven't, you know, that's listening, I haven't uh, been able to personally know over the years. You know, we lived in Texas for majority of our life. We've been up in the Pacific Northwest and Washington State for a year and a half now. And, you know, there's parts of Texas like Austin, for example, that have, uh, you know, really kind of pushing the ball on kind of different values being, you know, kind of brought to the attention, even schools, different things like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've experienced that up here, you know, again, Jessica's homeschooling, but there's just in, you know, around us in the Pacific Northwest, there's just a lot of things that go against our value system, like what we believe. And so, yeah, I mean, the the reality is at any point they can be seeing things and hearing things and even, you know, movies and TV shows begin to kind of push that agenda more and more, whatever that may be. And there's just a lot of different things that go against what we believe, you know, in our, in our value system, what we see in scripture. And so, we haven't had to start those discussions yet, really, but we're prepared and we're ready and we're trying to be proactive and not just let Juliet, if she ever does experience things that are different than what she's learned from us or seen from us, that she feels like she's got to like figure it out herself or yeah. go ask other people. Like we want to be a safe place where those conversations happen when they need to, but we're definitely not pushing those conversations on our own. Like we're kind of just feeling it out as they come over the years organically come about versus being like, all right, we need to sit and talk about this. And it's tough for them to prod. Like, what are we, why are we talking about this right now? Yeah. They just want to, she just wants to roll a blade or something. And I'm like trying to have the serious discussion. So yeah, it's just kind of feeling out, you know, when that time does come. And so you mentioned as part of like the homeschool process, you know, whether it's kind of just picking scripture. One thing I wanted to ask you about was what are some of the routines that you guys have as parents or, or, or even if there's any, I don't know if you have any specific that you have as a father, whether it's like a daily routine, something you guys do weekly, monthly, like, is there something that you're putting in place to kind of help lead the family and lead, lead the girls? Yeah, I think it's a great question because it's neat to be able to hear different people's uh, kind of traditions they've created, habits, and being able to snack some of those for your own. So for me, it's going to change over 
the years and as I read really great resources, which as people have recommended books or different things like that, like I've added some things, I've changed some things. And so that's been kind of a journey of of taking like what I grew up seeing and from my parents. But then there's things that like Jessica and I have added just that we've as we've talked to people. But all that being said, yeah, there's some things that I try to do at least on a weekly basis, if not daily, that I think are really important. Uh, and so praying over the girls and praying with the girls and the family is something that I do daily. And so, of course, with like mealtime, um, I, I don't think I've ever I've ever had a time where we prayed before the girls downed half of their food. But like <laughs> we, we get we get prayer in there at some point. Uh, but it's sweet because now the girls say little mini prayers and we kind of tag team prayer together. Uh, but just praying together and then praying for them. I want them every night, whether they realize the importance of it or not, just praying over them and them knowing that they're every single night they know I'm going to Jessica or I are going to pray for them. And then also just exposing them to scripture or, uh, you know, the Bible or in their case, just things that are uh, teaching them about God uh, for their age level. So there's a couple of great resources like the Jesus Storybook Bible has become pretty popular over the years. And it's just a telling of the stories of the Bible, but in a way that have pictures and a way that a young age can really understand it. And so we try to do that, try to at least a few times, let that be one of the books that we read before bedtime. Uh, and then there's also uh, Jenny Allen uh, put together this resource called The Story of God. It's a five book kind of series. She does such a great job just kind of walking through this five part thing of from creation to heaven. And it's just really beautiful. And the girls love it. And it starts a lot of conversation. So we try to either do the Jesus Storybook Bible or uh, one of those five books uh, at least a few times during the week during our, our time bedtime routine. Okay. So the, so the readings, you know, before bed. Yeah, so that's when we've done them. That's been really great for us. And then we've kind of mentioned before, just another routine that we do is uh, church. Yeah, I think it's really important for the girls to just realize the importance of church and going to church. And so it's a little bit different for us. I'm a pastor, and so I get there really early in the morning. So we don't all go as a family. They show up with Jessica later, but then they get to run up and see me, and they're in their classrooms learning about Jesus, and they get to see that that's just important to us and something that they're becoming familiar with. And so that's been a routine that we every single week do. Uh, and then something that's been really kind of new for me is, I don't know if you've ever heard of the book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, uh, no, but no. it's a really cool book. I read it like a year ago, and then I just let a small group at church going through this book. It's by a guy named John Mark Comer, his pastor, and now he speaks and writes. And it's just talking about kind of you get it from the title of we live in a world where it's constantly busy. We're constantly in a hurry. We have no margin in our schedule for rest, but more importantly, for time for God or the things that are really valuable. So it's figuring out what did what did Jesus do in his life? And Jesus was constantly uh, being tugged in every direction. Mm -hmm. I mean, he did a lot of things. It's not like Jesus was just sitting on the couch eating Cheetos. Like Jesus was a busy guy, but he was never hurried. Like the pace of his life was he did say no to a lot of things and get away and pray. But then he also, even though he did a lot of things, he was healing people and teaching and preaching. He was never in a hurry. He was present in the moment and what mattered the most. Uh, and so one of the things he talks about is creating Sabbath, picking time every week, whether that's a full 24 hours or just a part of a day where 
you change up things and you create this thing called Sabbath. It's just rest from your normal schedule and you just focus on what's most important for how many ever hours. And so we just in these past weeks started to try to incorporate a half of a day that we call our Sabbath. And so during that time, like we have no phones, we put electronics away, we're not watching movies, we don't have any distractions going on and we just spend time kind of resting. We're not buying anything online. We're not going anywhere. We're just resting, uh, which with a three-year-old and six-year-old, that looks a lot different than if we were single or just a married couple. But we just spend family time together and we don't have our phones dinging, anything like that. Mm -hmm. And so the girls are really into board games. We've been playing a lot of charades. They have these kids charades. And uh, so stuff like that. And we're just spending time together or, you know, that can include for us, like Juliet's really into rollerblading and Adeline's riding her little bike and scooter. So just spending time as family. So we're creating that routine every week for half of a day. We're not letting the outside world infiltrate us. We're just spending time as a family focusing on each other. And so that aspect has been really great for us these past weeks. Is there like a specific day of the week you guys that's carved out for that? Or is it as each week is coming up and you evaluate what the what the week's looking like? Hey, this block here is going to be Sabbath for the week. Or is it everything operates around that time block. Yeah, it's great to be able to just have a set time. For some people, they their work schedule doesn't allow that because they don't have consistency in their work schedule. For us, we know I'm off on Fridays and Saturdays. Most time it's been Friday morning. I say most time the past two weeks, you know, we do Friday morning, uh, but like Saturday morning could work for us as well. But it's just for some people, it could be like Sunday, like John Mark Comer, Comer talks about like go to church as a family. And then come home after church and spend, even if it's just three or four hours together after church, spend that like kind of as your Sabbath where you're just Mm -hmm. spending time together and eating a meal together and you don't have distractions or phones or anything. And you're just spending time together as a family and focusing on worshiping God and the relationships that he's put around you. Yeah, it's great if you can have a set time and we're each week, you know, like this is the most important part of our week is our Sabbath, even if it's just four hours. Again, that's like a whole nother topic. I, it's, yeah, I, I, I think was... it's, it's incredibly important. So like, we were actually just talking about that yesterday in our car because we used to be really structured about it. Our Sundays were our Sabbath day, but mm-hmm. we would have no phones. We were trying not to be too legalistic about it because it's yeah. really easy to get really legalistic about a Sabbath. It was like, am I allowed to do this? I kept asking, am I allowed to do this? Am I yeah. Allowed to do that? And Erica kind of helped me because she was like, if you're doing what it, you're doing it with the intention of getting ahead, probably don't do it. Yeah. But if the intent is I so I can get ahead for Monday, then and table it for now. Yeah. Um, but the because to your point, there's no margin in our schedules. And so like we feel like we feel that anxiety well up in us. I'm gonna get behind if I don't maximize every single day. But the the abundance that actually comes from taking a block of time to rest. Right. And to your point, like you know, Jesus used to go off on his own to pray. Like he he took those opportunities to go off solo. Sometimes you just need to step away into a quiet space, spend time in prayer. It was time for us to actually, you know, outside of church, spend time in scripture. It was so filling. So filling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're exactly right. It's easy to allow it to become legalistic, but it's really The whole purpose of it is there's no set way of doing it. It's just anything that allows you to cut off the hurry in life and to begin to focus on God, but then also just the most important things in your life. And that lots of times is the family that he's given to you. So it's just 
whatever allows you to step away from the chaos of the world and focus on God and focus on those that you love the most. So that's kind of the, the easy way to the guidelines for it. Yeah. But I definitely recommend that book. Anyone that would like that. I'm I'm not making any commission off it, unfortunately, but I do <laughs> recommend that book, the ruthless elimination of hurry. And so when you're, you said you, you pray both with and over the girls. And so, so when you're praying over the girls, is that kind of, as they're going to sleep, you're praying with them, or is it like something independent, something that you just do while they're sleeping or why, like, is it something that you're doing together or is it something that you just kind of do independently? Yeah. So I saying over kind of made it sound like I was like putting oil on their head and, you know, this like very like formal thing. Yeah. Praying with them is, is the better way to to say, yeah, so started when they were little of praying for them while they're sleeping in their crib. And then as they've gotten older, it's just been praying with them at nighttime. So as they're laying down before they go to sleep, praying, praying with them, praying for them before they go to bed. So that's just been something that I try my best to do every single night and wanted to keep that tradition going for their whole life. That's awesome. I think I think it's super cute to kind of hear like when when kids start to pray for the, like on their own what they choose to to bring up like yeah thank you thank you for my soccer ball or whatever it may be right yeah. just like it's the most like you said earlier like the most innocent things but yeah. there's just like so much gratefulness in it because i feel like a lot of times us as adults we're praying help to navigate these very complex circumstances in life I, yeah. I need to navigate this huge burden in my life and they're just like thanks for mac and cheese yeah. And you're just like, man, like how simple, the, like it's so beautiful, right? The simplicity of it. And yeah. Yeah. We tend to overcomplicate lots of things when, you know, the Bible always talks about having a childlike faith, just kind of getting back to just thanking God, even for the simple things, you know, that's pleasing to God's ears. So yeah, it's, it's always sweet hearing a little kid's prayer. And so it sounds like you guys have some good routines from a family perspective. Do you have any personally that you just kind of on your own, kind of make sure that you're filled up to be present as a husband, as a dad, things like that? What I've learned over the years is if I'm not a healthy Jared, a healthy dad myself, then I really can't give my girls, my family what they need. And so it was a period without going into too many details because mm-hmm. that took way too long. And it was a period of my life when the when the girls were really, really young that I was not healthy in my version. I was dealing with mental health stuff and I was putting almost all of my identity, my purpose into pastoring and thought like, you know, I was okay. I was validated if I was doing good as a pastor. And so there was just, it was unhealthy. I wasn't taking care of myself and my mental health got really bad. And so it was a season that, I deal with a lot of guilt and that's not healthy now, but I deal with guilt just realizing that I wasn't healthy then. And I definitely, because of that, wasn't able, even though I really wanted to, and I was trying, I wasn't able to be consistent with the girls and give them the best version of me. So yeah, over, I say, especially this past year and a half, two years, I've really learned the importance of, I can't be unhealthy and then try to be a healthy dad. So taking care of myself. So exercising regularly has been really great for me and eating right, trying to sleep right. Uh, And then making sure that I'm growing in my relationship with God. So spending time just trying to learn more about God. And it's really easy for me as as someone that works at a church to kind of have those things tied together. And I'm working on sermons or that kind of thing and equate that to like my own personal growth. But yeah, I've got to be really intentional to be reading the Bible just for my personal growth, not as my job. And so 
I've just found that if I'm and I'm not very good about doing hobbies for myself. And so I'm trying to get back into some hobbies. But I've realized that if I'm putting my identity, my purpose in what's in what's correct, and that's being a child of God and a follower of Christ that's growing in him, if I find mm-hmm. my identity in that and not other things like career, and if I'm taking care of myself, then I'm able to, it's a lot more natural to take care of my family and to be healthy for them. And then that allows me to actually care for them in the way that they need and give them example because I can say things all day long, but if I'm not living it out as an example for them, then at some point they're going to figure out that daddy's saying one thing, but he's not living it out himself. And so I'm trying to walk the walk and it takes me being healthy and focusing on my own growth in God and my own personal health. And also I think it's really, I, I think it's really important for them to also see that I'm caring for and loving Jessica, my wife, their mom in a way that's respectful and caring. And they see that love. Cause I want to display what I hope one day, whenever it's as much as I don't want to think about them <laughs> finding, a, finding a man, you know, but in their future husband, if, if that's in, in the cards for them, you know, if they get married when they're older, like I want, I want them to see characteristics of what they'd want in their future husband. So taking care of my personal growth and God and then taking care of their mom, you know, take care of Jessica is so important and loving them and being showing that affection and showing Mm -hmm. that I value that relationship, I think is so important. I think one of the things that really resonated that you said was where, like where you put your identity. Mm -hmm. And that's something in the past, like trying to build a career, you're trying to build a career with the output being my family benefits from this. Yeah. By, By me being successful, I can then provide this life for my family that I aspire to as the breadwinner of the family. But it's also a slippery slope of putting your identity in into that. And I, yeah. you know, I have a time where I, I was doing that. And man, my, my son is going to be so proud when he finds out that his dad is a CFO or whatever it is, right? Yeah. And I think to this day, Rylan's never been like, hey, dad, what's your job title on LinkedIn? <laughs> yeah. how, much, how, what, you know, how much money do we make? Actually, he started asking like, the, how much money do we have? Question of the day. And I'm like, okay, hold on. You know, we'll yeah. get to it. But yeah. he's... He does not care what my job title is. Like he asks about like, hey, where do you work? Doesn't yeah. really ask about what I do. He sees that I show up and give my best every day because I want him to see those kind of characteristics, right? Like you're showing up, yeah. you're, you're doing your best. You're working as if you're working for the Lord, not human masters. Uh, you know, Colossians 3, 23. He cares about, I want to, you know, that I'll build Legos with him that will work. On every Sunday morning before we head to church, we're doing our donut day run. Like, yeah. Which actually, I, part of yesterday we were talking about came about from Sabbath because mm. we didn't want to cook a bunch of meals and spend the day doing dishes and do all that kind of thing. So I was like, what do I do for breakfast? And Eric was like, why don't you guys go get donuts? I was like, okay. So like every Sunday morning for the last like three years, Ron and I hop in the car and go get donuts. And that's like when he wakes up Sunday mornings and just like donut day. Yeah. That those are the important things. And so I, I think you saying that transition from your identity being in something outside of being you know, a follower of Christ, a husband and a father is, yeah. um, is huge. Um, yeah. You know, that, that, like you said, I think at any age, whether they're young or they're getting a little bit older or middle school age, whatever it is, being present in that quality time is all that that kids want. You know, I I look back on my life and like you said, I never once think about when I view my parents when I was a child and think about that time period. I never once was concerned with the things that, you know, you were mentioning, how much money they were making or what their career goals were. I just cared if they were spending time with me and cared about the things Mm -hmm. I cared about. Yep. And so 
being present is one of the the best lessons that I've learned through mistake, you know, of not being present. Like I may have physically been there, but there were so many years that my mind was on a thousand other things. And it's like being fully invested, not just physically, but mentally and emotionally. That's what's important. That's the thing that when they look back when they're older, that's what's going to have mattered and made the difference is that relationship is built off of just time together and being present. That's so good, man. All right. So there's so there's two questions that I was kind of hoping to wrap up each episode with. Um, and the first one being, uh, do you have any, whether it's verses, stories, parables uh, from scripture that you find yourself kind of leaning on the most uh, in fatherhood or just kind of in general? Yeah. You know, I when I think about it, a verse that especially the past few years, and I think it really relates to being a parent that I've leaned on a lot is found in Matthew. It says this, Matthew 11, it's come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And the reason I love this is because I feel like for so much of my life, and, and it really relates to parenting, I've always felt like I had to like muster up the strength and kind of like we talked about earlier and kind of push my way through being a good employee, making a difference, being a good father, a good husband. And it's always kind of like led to me just being weary and burdened or having mental health struggles or different things. And uh, I love this verse because it's so freeing. It's like just this thought of it, it's not that it's not that this verse and God saying that our life is going to be easy as we follow him, but it's saying mm-hmm you don't have to be burdened. Like it, you can live a life of joy and peace. And so it's it's this thought of not that I don't have to still go through the hardships, but now I can give that burden over to God and he walks with me. Now yeah. I'm going to follow his pace, his speed, his direction. It's not me pushing. All I have to do is follow him. And so that's been a verse that has just for me given a lot of, a lot of peace, knowing that yeah. I can always go to God and he'll help walk through that with me. And it's kind of this, it's this quote that I probably heard from somewhere, but I've used it at different times at churches, you know, like when it comes to parenting, and I think this first kind of ties into it, there's this thought of like feeling like we have to be perfect for our kids. We always have to say the right thing, do the right thing, not make a mistake. And like I said, I could feel guilty at times in the past years when I feel like I failed as a parent. And the reality is like, God doesn't call us to be perfect parents. Our kids don't need perfect parents. They just need parents who are willing to point them to a perfect God. And so that's something that I've really tried to, every time I start to feel like a failure as a dad, I just go, you know what? I don't have to be perfect. I want to be authentic and real and love my kids. But as long as I'm pointing them to someone that actually is perfect, that won't let them down, then at the end of the day, that's success in my book. And so that's been something that kind of taken off the burden of feeling like I'd be a perfect parent and just resting in Jesus. That would be my answer to your first question. Man, that was awesome. I'm not gonna, that, Thanks, was, that was amazing, dude. All right. And the second question is, if your kids were to describe you in just a few words, what do you think that they would say right now? And what would you want them to say? That's a really good question. I think if my kids were to describe me right now, they would probably say fun and crazy because I'm always doing something a little bit wild at the house with them. So fun and crazy, that would probably be the description. Uh, the things that I would want them to think or describe me as now and as I get older, I think would be, I think 
fun is still a great one. I want them to know that I'm not taking life too serious. I want them to feel, have the freedom to be themselves. And so I think fun is great. I think I would want them to also describe me as compassionate. I'd want them to realize that I have a compassion for not only them as family and our friends, but people that we just kind of come in contact with in whatever realm of life, you know, whatever we're doing that, that I'm not viewing myself as better than other people, but mm-hmm. that I'm having compassion no matter the circumstance that people find themselves in. And I think the last one would be, I, I'd want them to describe me as consistent. Mm-hmm. I think kind of going back to what we talked about, consistency is key and it's so much more valuable. You know, it's not flashy in any sense, but if, if my girls feel like I've been consistent in their life, then I think that's a huge, huge win. I guess my answer would be fun, compassionate, and consistent. I love that. Yeah, there's a quote that I I really like around consistency, and it's that it's better to be consistently good than to be occasionally great. Mm. You know, I think that that I love that. Like if you if you can just consistently show up to whatever it is, whether that's being a dad, being a husband, it's better than not showing up and then occasionally just showing up in a grand fashion, right? So yeah, Jared, I think uh, this is where we'll. We'll wrap up episode, I guess, episode two here. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on. Really grateful for you as a friend. Excited for baby number three on the way. Thanks, man. This episode is going to be incredibly uh, insightful and uplifting for a lot of people. So thank you so much, Jared. Yeah, thanks for having me, Matt. And appreciate your friendship so much. Thanks for letting me be the first guest. So excited to be tuning in each week to hear the different people that you bring on. So I'm a fan, man. I love what you're doing. Appreciate it, man. Talk to you soon. All right. See you, Matt. If you enjoyed this episode of the Faith Forged Fathers podcast, please leave us a five-star review on whichever podcast platform you're listening from. Subscribe to the podcast and also head on over to Instagram and follow at Faith Forged Fathers. Thanks again for listening.